Come down to the little garden with me. Come go with me. Come go and see. You're listening to SGB Weekly, your fix of the 626 and the people who make it home. My name is Chris Greenspawn. I still say This time, our guest is someone I've had in mind since I first came up with this show. Hi, everyone. My name is Camila, and I am the new president of the San Gabriel Valley LGBTQ Center. That's the center's first trans woman president saying what's up on Instagram right after she got elected. I've actually been working on this episode since before Christmas. Then last week, this guy went viral in the San Gabriel Valley. A stinking, filthy sodomite And you know what? These pastors out there, they want to criticize me because I'm too controversial. And, oh, I can't believe you said that online. You should be a lot nicer. Folks, I'm a happy individual. Well, he might have stolen the spotlight for a minute, but he really just lit up an opportunity. What would it look like if we had 30 billboards across the San Gabriel Valley that all said something about supporting LGBTQ rights? All of us can grow from this situation especially our local governments. You know, I think people need to start listening to us. And I think they need to listen to us while we're still alive. This week, we'll hear about how the San Gabriel Valley can do more to provide for its LGBTQ residents on SGV Weekly. Now for some local news. The Los Angeles Daily News reports a Glendora man who allegedly tried to break into an office during last week's riot at the nation's capital was arrested Wednesday night. 20-year-old Hunter Emke was taken from his home to the Los Angeles Metropolitan Detention Center. Capitol Police say they saw Emke motioning a crowd of rioters to help him climb into a window he broke. Officers clashed with Emke and cuffed him on the ground, but surrendered him to the crowd which outnumbered them. Emke, a Glendora High School graduate, had his picture taken and his driver's license confiscated. The Pasadena Star reports, Pasadena is taking applications for a new police oversight committee. There will be 11 members as well as an independent auditor. Neither will be able to discipline or fire officers, only to make recommendations. They will be allowed to subpoena documents, view hiring and training information, solicit community feedback, and publish statistics. Lawyers who have either sued or defended the Pasadena Police Department will not be allowed to apply, though former cops will. Members will have to take a training course and attend a four-hour police ride-along. The Tribune reports Pomona is adopting a new affordable housing ordinance in May. Developers will have to set aside between 7 and 13% of units for families earning less than $92,000 per four members. Projects starting before May will only have to set aside half as many units. Developers who don't comply will pay a fee into the city's affordable housing fund. The city of South El Monte is providing free drive-through COVID-19 testing every Thursday at the South El Monte Community Center from 9 to 3. A link to make an appointment is on this episode's page at sgvweekly.com. And sadly, punk singer James Valenzuela died Monday after a prolonged battle with COVID-19. Valenzuela fronted the hardcore band Young and Pissed Off for 33 years and was considered a godfather of the SGV backyard scene. Valenzuela, his fiancée, and his son contracted the virus around Halloween. The singer struggled through ventilator and antibiotic treatment for two months before passing away. His family's GoFundMe is also on the episode page at sgvweekly.com. 
And that's some of this week's news in the 626. After a short break, we'll hear the story of a homegrown fighter for queer rights in the Valley and her response to a hate church in El Monte. SGV Weekly is supported by Callback Yesterday, a new podcast in which John Raby explores somewhere in time, love, loss, memory, nostalgia, Mackinac Island, and time travel. If you're a secret fan of the movie, which turns 40 this year, own a time machine shaped like a book, and still talk to your dead loved ones, maybe this is the podcast for you. Call back yesterday with John Raby. John urges you to support SGV Weekly with a generous donation, like he did. Does your Instagram feed need more than thirst traps and cheese pools? Follow SGV Weekly for interview clips with everyday people and pictures of the rowdiest cars in the 626. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Rate and review the show to help us get it out there and make a better program for the San Gabriel Valley. Visit sgvweekly.com for expanded content from each episode and a link to our Patreon. Give if you can and support citizen journalism. Thanks. Now back to SGV Weekly. Camila Chameleon is 26 years old, and she just got elected president of the SGV LGBTQ Center. My pronouns are she, her, and Aya. I came at this interview from the perspective of a mostly clueless, straight, cis, white guy. I asked if she identifies as a woman, a trans woman, or if there's even a difference. I identify as a trans woman, and that's it. It's a statement. It's not really a question. For those who don't fully understand... Trans, you know, is something that we own, you know, as an experience, as uh, some folks would even say as a transgression, you know, of the current boundaries of what gender norms look like. But I do also acknowledge the fact that I think as we're still growing, people have preconceived notions of what uh, trans could look like, you know, and have preconceived notions of what even the word non-binary could look like. A more comprehensive discussion about gender and civil rights is needed in the SGV. 28 of our 31 cities don't acknowledge Pride Month, and there's no budget for LGBTQ services in the San Gabriel Valley Council of Governments. Camaleon wants to change that. When you show up to a table, you got to remember who you're showing up to the table with, because it's never just for you. There is a real need to stand up for queer rights in the 626. Bigotry is festering right now in El Monte. And the title of the sermon this evening, or this morning, excuse me, is Waging War Against the Sodomites. Now we'll hear from a local heroine fighting against that in two parts. First, how a traditional SGV upbringing created a natural organizer. Second, what she believes the rest of us can do. For almost her whole life, Camila Camaleon has lived in Baldwin Park. I grew up on Millbury. If you know where the big Walmart is, (laughs) the new one, just down the street from there in this greenhouse with my grandma. And there was this huge, beautiful jacaranta tree in the front with purple leaves. So definitely the, the suburban Baldwin Park-esque feel of what it looked like to live in a nuclear family. She had a standard Latino childhood with an emphasis on the O. I was in the backyard of my grandma's house. We're there, my aunt's family's there, my uncle's there, everybody, the whole crew, right? And I felt, I don't remember how old I was, I think probably somewhere between seven to nine or something. And I fell in the backyard and I just started bleeding from like under my knee, you know, some local area, just a really small cut, right? 
and dramatic as I was. <laughs> my uncle like picks me up and goes, ah, that's nothing, just rub dirt on it. And he grabs dirt from the ground and just like rubs dirt right into like this open wound. And now that I'm older, I think, well, what would it have looked like, you know, if I was seen as the gender that I would like to be seen as? Regardless of how others saw her, one of the key role models in her life was her single mother who ran a house cleaning service. You know, those girls are chingonas. So <laughs> that's just a little bit about the values that were instilled in me. That influence to fight for oneself manifested very early on into an interest in organizing. In the fifth grade, I was in things such as school site council, and I was able to really see what district-level organizing looked like. As a teen, she went to the American Legion's Boys State Conference and learned about congressional districts, regional commissions, county governance, and newspaper writing. It was a macho atmosphere, but she didn't let that stop her from taking those lessons and doing things her way. I would say I came out twice in my experience. I came out once in the year 2010. In high school, I was one of the people who helped start the GSA. I was that student (laughs) who knew that they were gay at that point. That's what I had used as my terminology with the access of language that I had. And then later on in 2016, coming out as trans, you know, was a whole other experience of a delving into and looking at what my queer identity looks like and and what it looks like for me to become true to what I knew was inside me. And I think it's it's only been a beautiful journey, even the sides that you never thought you'd take, right? Or the, the lessons that you didn't know you had to learn the hard way. It's been a journey of just accepting that the next step is gonna happen in the right time. How did the further realization that you needed to transition come to bear? Hmm. You know, it was four years of me asking myself the question. I was like, is this the year? Am I going to? Am I not? And in the never years since then, it had been no. And then something came around this year. I actually just started recently my HRT, which stands for hormone replacement therapy for those that don't know. And I started in September, uh, right before my 26th birthday. And it just felt like everything had come to this particular moment, you know, where I was like, okay, well, I'm I'm in a good spot financially. I'm in a good spot in terms of my business as a Zumba instructor. I'm in a good spot in terms of, I was currently sitting as the vice president at that time. And so it was just time for me to think of what it could look like to also grow as a person and just seemed like the right step. Meanwhile, her time away at UC Santa Barbara taught her about showing up for others. She majored in Black and Feminist Studies, focusing on politics. When she came back to Baldwin Park in 2017, she joined the SGV LGBTQ Center. In November, she was elected president of the small volunteer group. For 2021, they're starting from the bottom up, but thinking long term. It's really an awareness campaign on the fact that you know, we as Sangipur Valley LGBTQ folks, we live here, <laughs> we shop here, we eat in the Sangipur Valley. We're just like any other Sangipur Valley resident as well. And so I think the purpose of the corporation is really trying to show what it means to cement a home and really provide services for LGBTQ folks in a level that's beyond the current capacity. And so it's, you know, there's a lot of different pieces of it. You see it through 
local HIV clinics, but um, what could it look like to have a spot where there could be a full service center for LGBTQ folks? Healing activities are key. There's been a lot of big ideas thrown around. What if we had a communal kitchen where people are able to do workshops on home ex services for K through 12 youth? What if we had like a dance studio space that also was a space that we could rent out for local artists, you know, and local artists are able to do pop-up shops? What if we had communal gardening and composting through the SGV LGBTQ Center? The center had a home for three years at Prince Eric Hall and Gardens until the city of Arcadia sold it to be turned into, you guessed it, condos. There used to be movie nights, teen programs, and the senior sewing circle, Stitch and Bitch. Now all of their services are online. But it would look and it would feel so amazing to finally have a home for us, you know, and to have a building where we have the key, we have enough money that we're able to have a team that's really going to be able to move forward with the vision in a more cemented way. Now let's pivot from an uplifting dream to a harsh reality. There's been an evolving discussion over the last few decades about what a safe space is and why it should exist. A lot of my praxis in my undergrad comes from acknowledging that sometimes folks just need the space. Sometimes people need that space to party. Sometimes they don't. As much as we have this like LGBTQ nightlife, which I would say is also um, something that's slowly going away, we need to remember that we still have the other half of the population who might want to meet with their friends at a coffee setting on a Saturday morning at 10 a.m. That's a gap the center will hopefully one day fill. If you don't think queer people in the SGV need their own safe space, listen to this guy. We don't advocate Christians to go out and be vigilantes and try to put these to death. We want the government to do it. I can't believe you just said that. The government should kill them. That's Pastor Delphine Bruce Mejia from the First Works Baptist Church in Almonte at the Make America Straight Again conference in Florida two years ago. It's listed as a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. The ones who are telling us, you're homophobic. No, you're homophobic. I'm (laughs) homo-hating. Last week, an Instagram account called Keep El Monte Friendly published a petition to remove First Works from the city. Pastor Mejia told SGV Weekly, quote, It doesn't bother me when people call us a hate group because of what I preach. I am not changing, and I am not apologizing. I was not surprised, let's be honest. Camaleon read a statement on behalf of the center at an El Monte City Council meeting, but the city says there's nothing it can do for now. SGV Weekly also reached out to the mayor's office for comment, but there wasn't a timely response. All we were told was that we can't say anything because it's nor hate speech nor hate crime, you know, but the missing component is the action part. So do we need them to attack us? Do we need them to altercate more of our mailboxes? (laughs) You know, do we need them to show up to more of our houses to make us feel unsafe? To what degree does it need to get bad before the city will do something? She believes that even if First Works were evicted, Mejia would just preach somewhere else. We're getting you guys out of here. Okay, you're still filthy and disgusting and I, I, I still hate you. And I'm still gonna preach against you. What's changed? Throw me into the furnace, go ahead. For now, she wants to see the city invest in new values. I think the San Gabriel Valley LGBTQ Center 
would love to see the entire city of El Monte, city council, city managers, police chief, police staffs, everybody go through a safe space training. Because I think that if you're not doing a safe space training, then you're not understanding what LGBTQ plus competency looks like. And so I think through this, we can create further action, such as an LGBTQ statement of equality from the city of Almani that basically denounces hate and racism and homophobia of any sorts, which would be amazing, you know, to see. But I think all of that starts with an education component. And so I really want to see the city of Almani not only invest in the constituents, but really invest in themselves. Because half of this is understanding that LGBTQ plus competency isn't just for the constituents that they serve, it's for themselves as well. Camila Camaleon is the president of the SGB LGBTQ Center. The center will be offering safe space training beginning in February. To find out more or volunteer with the center, write them at info at sgblgbtq.org. But in the meantime, if you find yourself on the sidelines while someone's being harassed for their gender presentation, here's a bystander intervention tactic from Kamila. These examples will make more sense when things start reopening. But just listen. Say if somebody's at your local Planet Fitness, you know, just down the block or something, and um, if they're like at a squat rack and somebody comes up to them and is like, hey, you don't look like a man or kind of start saying these comments that would be derogatory or be considered microaggressions, then how would you intervene in that? And so it's seeing the context of like maybe walking up to this person and being like, hey, do you need me to spot you? Oh, hi, um, my name's this and these are my pronouns. So that the person who might be LGBTQ feels like you are a safe space because you've introduced yourself with your pronouns. And you can use these for any local context as well. Like say if somebody is at a bar and they're trans and they happen to have an ID that doesn't match to the way that they present, you know, and maybe addressing the bartender, like, can you hurry up the line? You know, we're all trying to get in, you know, instead of them like focusing on this one person, you're just like normalizing the aspect of like, Like, we're all here, you know, and we're just, you know, we're just trying to enjoy ourselves. Thanks for tuning into this week's show. Be sure to share it with your friends, family, and elected officials. Our theme song is Carry Home by the Gun Club, courtesy of Manifesto Records. Our logo was designed by Felipe Flores and Rita Greenspawn. I'm Chris Greenspawn. This is SGV Weekly. I have returned through so many highways and so many tears. <laughs>